In the immortal words of the American poet-philosopher Pharrell Williams, I'm an outlaw, quick on the draw, something you've never seen before, and I dare an individual to come in my face. I got something chrome, and I got it from home, and it ain't a microphone, and I dare an individual to come in my face. And then he goes on, it's how real, how I feel. I skipped the dirty dog, dirty dog, I'm a dirty dog. Well, we've also got something chrome from home. Unfortunately, or fortunately, it is a microphone. We got new microphones, Chris Natter. Oh, we most certainly do. You know, every now and then you, you listen to a show and they're like, we got new mics, we got new audio. And I'm like, as a listener, I'm like out at the gym or I'm like, there's like traffic and I'm walking around. I'm like, okay, like whatever, guys, I don't care. <laughs> but they're always so pleased. And I understand now. I got this, I got this, it's, it's chrome. Got it from home. It is a microphone. Right. All right. Welcome to the Ultra Working Podcast, everyone. New and improved audio quality. We got some Chrome over here. Chris Natter, we're talking about psychological momentum. We got some statistics from a sports paper. It should be a good show today. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, man. This is a good one. I really like going through this paper. And, um, you know, we often look at um, sports as a as a resource, like um, you mentioned to me why you think studying sports is very useful. What are the reasons exactly? Yeah, I like sports because um, sports has a closed rule set, you know, and then the scoring is very clear. You know, it's like very hard to argue about who's a better painter. You know, there's a big subjective component. And, you know, and it's also like, hey, like kind of what scene were they in? What was the cultural milieu? Like, how would you say that Van Gogh and, and Rembrandt stack up against each other? Big personal preference there. And, you know, it's 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 not even apples, apples and apples, even though they're both painting. Um, but you look at two sports teams that are on the same playing field in the same year. And you can see how do, do different tactics, different strategies, different training methodologies, um, you know, if it's a, a European style where they have like junior level clubs and they promote people, how does their 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 youth leagues and, and their training um, and conditioning stack up? If it's American um, style where there's like a pro draft, how's their drafting? How's their scouting? And uh, yeah, there's a few fields like that where there's really like discrete winners and losers. I like games for the same reason, you know, because like, hey, if a company in a given industry does bad, well, okay, obviously they weren't super on the plot, but like, you know, if you made like saddles and then like cars came around, like, yeah, maybe you could have switched to something else or whatever. But like, you know, it's, it's you, you can't always apples and apples, even among two tech companies, you know, compare Apple and Toshiba, kind of, but they have different cultures, different natural resource bases, different workforces, you know, but two sports teams, Chicago Bulls are going up against the Detroit Pistons. One of those teams has a better mix of, athleticism, teamwork, tactics, coaching, ability to play well together, ability to execute plays, take good shots. Um, and you can and you can learn from that and you can extract a lot of lessons from it. I think that's uh, one of the reasons a lot of executives like sports. And then with the statistics movement um, in the various sports, primarily started in baseball with cyber, saber, saber metrics, um, came out of the, the saber baseball study club is why it's called that. It's kind of a weird name. Uh, I think it's like the statistical association for baseball research, something like that. Sabermetrics came out of their money ball, that sort of stuff. Well, then a bunch of mathematicians and statisticians got in. So you have like a, a bunch of classical quote unquote jock people studying it for like leadership and toughness. And that's all real. 
And then you also increasingly have people interested in statistics, economics, like the gentleman that wrote uh, this paper that we're going to be talking about today. It's an uh, economics thesis. Um, and yeah, just a bunch of smart people. And it's a, it's a closed rule set, so you can compare. It is apples and oranges when two teams take the court together on the same night. Um, and one of them wins. They maybe had a little bit of luck go their way, but over the course of the season, um, you see which team is actually better and you can kind of figure out why and learn about life from that. Right. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's uh, very cool. I also think the competitive nature, like that it is in in art, for example, you're not necessarily competing against each other. At least that's not the, the point. Um, and also um, the fact that it's played at the highest level. So I could imagine that small differences are actually being like emphasized. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's one of the things we're going to talk about today are those small differences. Yeah, the competitive and, and kind of adversarial uh, nature of it, um, yeah, it does make it interesting because then it's not just the right way to do things, but it's like a metagame thing, right? If one team mm. has a bunch of really big players and you can't get players that big, then maybe you get a bunch of small, really much smaller players that the big players can't chase around. And then they get medium-sized players that are quick enough, but still bigger. And then, so you get some big players, you know, right. And so there's a, uh, uh, you know, right. rock, paper, scissors effects and, and metagame effects. Um, yeah, myself, I used to be super competitive when I was younger. I think I'm still pretty competitive, but I mean, for me, I'm actually more interested in collaborative dynamics and, and teamwork. Like I don't, I don't even like to play competitive board games. I won't play competitive. I mean, versus strangers. Sure. With my friends, I want to play like collaborative board games, like pandemic, uh, where you're like working together to solve a tough challenge. And that, that's another interesting thing about team sports. Um, obviously, individual sports exist as well, like tennis. But, you know, in team sports, there's an adversarial dynamic where you're up against the other team. But there's also a team dynamic. Um, even really, really good players, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, uh, you know, when they don't have teammates that they have, like, good working relationship with that can also do their part, they don't, they don't win championships as just a, a right. you know, one-person force. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. Um, yeah, let's take a look at the paper we have in front of us today. Uh, you want to give a bit of brief introduction? Of, uh, yeah, the, the and, efficacy uh, of momentum-stopping timeouts on short-term performance in the National Basketball Association. So first off, I think it's a, it says Senior Thesis in Economics, Sam Permute. Permute or, or Permute? I, I want to pronounce it Permute, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know. There's two T's there. Sorry, Sam, for getting your name wrong one way or another. But yeah, shout out to him. Um, Obviously, we're going to check the math a little more if something's an undergrad thesis, so we don't wind up uh, getting flummoxed or bamboozled. But this uh, this gentleman, Sam, he he did a really nice job. I was looking through all the tables and the regressions and stuff. This is this is seems like first class work. I don't know. Maybe there's some little. We didn't check the whole data sets and make sure he got the data sets correct. But if he got them from where he said he got them and didn't make any mistakes, he did a nice job. I, I was really impressed. Can we give a shout out to Sam, Chris? Did you, did you think this was good? I thought this was like for an undergrad thesis. I thought this was amazing. No, for sure. You know, usually, like you don't read senior thesis and are like, yeah, no. impressed. This was this was very impressive for impressive for a senior thesis for sure. I thought it was just good work in general, and like I was blown away when I heard that it was a senior thesis. His advisor was a uh, professor David Owens. Also, shout out to Doc Owens. Um, those both sound like Wild West names, by the way. You know, you Sam Permit and Doc Owens. Um, yeah, well, what a crew. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, I'll turn it over to you to talk some stats and to talk some psychology um, in a second. But basically, they were interested in in 
in in in my words, not exactly in his words. There's a lot of like uh, kind of folk beliefs about sports among people. It's like you know you got to have the will to win, and and like yeah. some of it's true and some of it's not. That's what I find super interesting because sometimes these 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 folk beliefs get rigorously investigated and are true, and sometimes they get rigorously investigated and are just statistical noise. You mm. know what I mean? And are just like they don't exist. Do you know what I mean? And and it's yeah. like human memory yeah. bias. You remember the the big shot that was crazy that was impossible to hit to win the game. You like remember that one. You don't remember the three desperate shots that missed. The person was 25% on the desperate heaves to win a game. That's about what you expect. If you're way past the three-point line, they heave it, but they're a good shooter. You right. know what I mean? So you remember the, oh, my gosh, that blows my mind. They showed in the commercials, on the TV, you know, right? You see it again and again and again, and somebody makes a desperate shot, you know, with like one second left you know, down two from, from near half court and they miss, you don't, you don't even think about it. So some of these things are, are false. And this paper looked into the effect of momentum, specifically, specifically the effect of taking a timeout mm-hmm. when the other team is beating up on you. Right. And here I'll tell, I'll tell a little basketball story, uh, a, a personal attending a basketball game story once. Um, so it was around Christmas time in Boston. And if anybody doesn't know, Boston's on the East coast of the United States and it, snows a bunch um and it gets really really cold and and frosty and um and uh and boston's a big 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 sports town people in boston really love sports and so uh, my girlfriend and i we lived uh, downtown um in boston not not so far a little bit far from the stadium but not so far from the basketball stadium and this is when kevin garnett was playing for the boston celtics who's like a just the most incredible guy. He was like an MVP and he's like a really had like a wonderful finesse and skill in his game, but he was like an animal at the start of the game. He'd like bang his head against the goalposts to like psych himself up and, and presumably to freak out and intimidate the other team a little bit. And he'd play ferocious defense and score a lot and was a great leader. and was a charismatic guy and like a really good guy to his teammates and a ferocious guy to compete against. So anyways, there's just like a blizzard hit and there's just like tons of snow. It was still snowy. So a lot of people would just like not go to the games. The arena was like only like half full. And we, we showed up about like five minutes into the first quarter. And there's these things in America and, and some places they're illegal and they probably should be called scalpers. Scalpers buy the tickets and try to resell them for more money in front of the stadium. And like, I, I don't know, soon enough, the world will become electronic. There'll be like instant ticket exchanges and we can cut these, these, these middlemen out of the equation. Um, but uh, yeah, what we used to do is, is sometimes we would like want to go on a date and uh, yeah, we, we like to go into sports games. She likes sports games too. Um, and uh, we would just like walk by the stadium. And like, if we could get tickets like for a bargain, we would go. And if we wouldn't, we'd like go out to dinner or go see a movie or something instead. So we'd like go if it was convenient and not if it wasn't. So this particular night, it was blizzarding. We went five minutes in the first quarter. Scalpers don't want to stand outside in the snow. Not that many people are going to come. We got like amazing tickets, like hundreds of dollars of tickets back when hundreds of dollars bought a lot more stuff than in this inflation environment, right? This is quite a ways, quite a while ago. And, um, and we could see this amazing game. Like they were playing some some Western Conference team, so it wasn't a big rivalry. Celtics are in the Eastern Conference, and this is when I, I kind of understood for the first time something you don't really understand on TV. At one point, uh, the Celtics defense played well; they either blocked uh, the other team's shot um, or they stole the ball. They might have been playing like the Trailblazers or some team like that that wasn't that good that year, right? They blocked their shot um, or they stole the ball from them, and then um, the Boston either point guard or, or one of the shooting guards. Had either had the rebound or the steal or whatever and and passes it ahead to Garnett who's this big like seven foot tall super strong guy and he did this crazy windmill dunk like something you'd see out of like a movie 
or or like an like an anime like he's like this gigantic guy i mean like you don't realize how big the players are until you're actually in the stadium you're like wow that guy is so freaking big he's so big like you know what i mean like he's in tv they're big but like you're in the stadium they're like really big and we're like sitting pretty low to the court so it's pretty cool and and he just elevates with his arm you know behind uh you know behind his back full-on swagger mode windmill dunk looked like the rim was going to break the, how hard he brought it down. And like, then he's like hanging and swinging off the rim. So he doesn't like hurt himself. Uh, you have to swing off the rim a little bit. You can do it a lot to show off, but you have to do it a little bit. So you don't land awkwardly and, and hurt your legs. Right. And the crowd freaking lost it. The place is only like half full because of blizzard. Right. But the crowd was like everybody, we were instantly on our feet. People were shouting. There was so much noise. And the other coach called timeout. Their players couldn't even hear each other. You're potentially intimidated. You have like, you know, even with like a half house or whatever, 15, 20,000 people shouting at the top of their lungs in excitement and awe. And like, you just got blocked. So your guys are like, I don't know, man, like I just got blocked. And then, and then the, the big, strong seven foot tall guy just does this like acrobatic, like a mix of like a ballerina and like a bullfighter and like a prize fighter move that just dunks the ball home. And it's only like two points, but the crowd freaking lost it and got really, really, really loud. Um, and the other team was like, you know, whistle, like time out. And like, we, we were on our feet cheering for quite a while, but eventually, you know, we settled down and then, you know, whatever, they got back to the game. So, you know, that's the type of thing that this paper was investigating is like, Hey, like, seems like the right thing to do when the Boston crowd's losing their mind. And, and, you know, you guys just got a little embarrassed on defense. And then, then the ball got brought the other way right. because you screwed up on, you screwed up on offense and you got embarrassed. And then they brought it the other way and scored because they just, you know, jacked you when, when they were on defense and you were on offense. And this paper was like, well, wait a second. Okay. You call time out there. That seems reasonable. But like, what if you just didn't like, but would things really go much differently? Like, let's actually look at the numbers. <laughs> that That's kind of what this paper's about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good analysis. Um, yeah. This paper is about two things. It looks a little bit about the, the, the concept of psychological momentum. And if it's represented in the in the data like is this really a thing can you get on a or go on a roll and then if you are in in the state and this like where you feel like you're invincible the your your opponent is potentially a little bit intimidated does this actually you know show up in the numbers of you being maybe more likely to uh continue scoring points or will it eventually just return back to baseline and then on top of that can a can this momentum if it does exist be stopped by calling a timeout on that team so do the does the the coach of the opposing team have a something up their sleeves here to to put a little bit of a stop on this forward momentum against this team what if find so here's an interesting thing so basically uh he, he first looks at prior research and prior research had there had been some uh, papers on this, and they actually found a fairly big effect in these in these previous papers of calling a timeout. They're like, "Hey, if we if we call a timeout um, on this on a on a team that had been you know scoring a lot of points, then um, this effect will dramatically be reduced." So they they found a fairly big effect on timeouts. Now, one thing that they in those papers did not account for was the fact that there is in statistics and you can explain this better than I do. And this is important for this paper, the concept of regression to the mean, 
um, it's it's important in this paper because um, otherwise we'll we tend to inflate um, our our effect on things like we're doing an action and, and things turn around was this really based on the thing that we just did or was this a random event that just happened to appear yeah let me let me jump in let me jump in we should do a full regression to the mean show at some point i think yeah. because it shows up in a lot of places but like here for everybody listening let's say chris and i play a coin flipping game where if it lands on heads i get a point and if it lands on tails chris gets a point and we both have timeouts that we can call to stop the coin flipping. So I flip the coin five times in a row, and it comes up heads for me every time, or Chris flips it. I'm not cheating or whatever, right? Chris flips the coin, it comes up heads, 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 heads for Sebastian, right? Then Chris is like, I'm blowing my whistle, timeout, timeout. We're taking 10 minutes off from coin flipping. Go walk around, have a lemonade, you know, do something else, you know, stretch out a little bit, get my mind right. All right, let's get back to this coin flip. And, and then it's like heads, tails, heads, tails. It's like, oh man, those timeouts are banging. You know, the without a timeout, it was like 5-0 Sebastian. Then I take a timeout and then it's 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 2-3. Wow, that was, that was a major swing. And it's like, no, that's regression to the mean. The coin's going to flip 50-50 going forwards. You had an outlier before, right? So if a team is killing another team, like unexpectedly so, right? That's an outlier performance. And it's like going to stop soon because you don't see basketball games that are like 800 to zero or whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? It doesn't happen. Right. So yeah, you have to account for the fact that if a team is lightning hot and making every shot, they're going to start missing. And if a team that's otherwise pretty good and is not compromised in some way or extremely well schemed on defense, but they're just like a good team, there's nothing crazy is going on is quite cold and they miss three or four in a row. Well, I mean, these are professional, at the professional level, these are professional players. They're going to start making some of their shots. So you're going to, you get some regression. Right. So this effect wasn't accounted for in the prior research. I was so unimpressed with the prior research, by the way, the sample sizes, the controls, it was awful. Pre-SAM, pre the paper we're reading. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in this paper, now this effect was specifically accounted for they basically took um data from from publicly available data on on basketball games and and analyzed them yeah what did they find so they did find that timeouts can be effective at uh, enhancing the short-term performance meaning we could call it at stopping the um the the forward momentum the magnitude was a little bit decreased from the a prior research by accounting for this, you know, statistical um, effect of regression to the mean, and uh, in in so they they looked at it in the different places and they showed a 0.21 increase in the average ratio for the next ten points. So what they did was basically also an interesting way of of looking at this. Psychological momentum is a very qualitative. State. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, man. You can't stop me. I'm feeling it. I'm in the zone. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why we like sports is because like the ball goes in the basket or it does not <laughs> at the end of the day. And uh, a little easier to measure than painting. Yeah, but yeah. How do you turn? I, I'm feeling it into into something that you can measure and, and data. And uh, yeah, so for the purpose here, they, they defined uh, psychological momentum as whenever a team had scored six points in a row, uh, six 
and was now like this team now has the momentum sort of for the further analysis. Yeah, I got I got to jump in here and and I love I love this paper so so Sam and and Doc Owens I'm not I'm throwing zero shade at them. This is one of the problems with statistics and mathematics and this is also why a lot of people that are athletes, I was never a gifted athlete. I played a little bit of sports. I've done a little bit of endurance stuff or whatever, but I, I was never like a super athlete or anything. Um, but this is, but I have a lot of friends that like are very gifted athletes um, that have, that have performed at a, at a pretty high level. No, no like pro players in my social circle, but people that were high level college players or, um, you know, won, won championships and high level competitions, uh, you know, you know, as an adult in, in, in some sports. And, sometimes those people like really laugh at like nerds and statisticians and like they call us nerds. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like deservedly, deservedly. I'm more of a nerd than a jock. Um, and like deservedly they call us out because like six points in basketball could be and for anybody that on the off chance, you don't know in basketball, you could score a two point shot or a three point shot. And then you can also get like free throws, foul shots. If the, if the other team like hits your arm when they don't mean to. Right. Um, so you usually score the most common amounts to score in are, are two or three, right? And if you score a two on one side, then you go back and you you stuff them on defense. Then you score another two. Then you go back and they can't do anything again when you're on defense. And you go score another two, right? You're like beating up on them. You just won like five battles in a row against them, right? So that's a 6-0 run where you just – you won on offense, they didn't stop you. You won on defense, they couldn't score. You won on offense, they couldn't stop you. You won on defense, they couldn't score. You won on offense. That could also be you hit a three-pointer. They go take a three-pointer against you and, and miss it because three-pointers are not a high percentage play. And then you go hit another three. And that could be just very fluky. And I think most teams will just shrug that off. I don't think they're like, we're getting crushed. That's like a fluky thing. All of us that are in the stats know this. But if you want to define it objectively, right? Because if you want to define it really well, you would have to like bring in experts and have them rank. Is this an outplayed situation where a team that could have made shots was forced into an error? Or like maybe you could be like after two steals have occurred in like within 14 plays or something, but then it's going to be a very small sample size and it's going to be biased anyways because the team is really good at steals. It's probably really good at defense, you know? Um, so like we know, so this six zero run thing is like, like can represent you beat them five times in a row or it can represent like two low percentage things going in kind of just like fluky. And then like one low percentage thing on the other side, not going in. And that's like not a big deal. Right. So there's some junk data in here that also makes me think the effect is larger than it is when it's applicable, by the way, that makes me think that there's some you know, some data where it doesn't make it like they're, they're classifying some of these situations as like momentum stopping timeout or not mm. type thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where it like, doesn't matter. Um, I would, I would think, cause in a situation where you're like crushed, like beaten on offense, crushed on defense, beaten on offense, crushed on defense, beaten on offense, right. you know, like that's like, I, that, that would strike me as more likely to be like, Oh no, these, so the team's killing us, you know what I mean? And, and you get in your own head, maybe. And I, I don't know, but that's speculative. We'll speculate. We'll speculate. Yeah. Ad infinitum that's later. The, um, I mean, it would be interesting to, you know, almost rerun the statistical analysis with, may, with maybe uh, an eight points in a row run. Or like four shots in a row, four field mm. goals in a row of any type or something like that. Yeah. Twos or threes. Yeah. 
with no intervening shots. Cause that's like four field goals in a row would be like, they didn't score three times on you and you scored four times on them. You know what I mean? Like that's, but, but yeah, it'd be interesting to rerun different numbers around that. Anyways, as, as nerds, we recognize that this is a limitation. We have to draw cutoffs somewhere. And if we draw them too big, we don't get a lot of data points. That's what we need to draw. I mean, that's always the challenge, turning something qualitative into something quantitative. And you find this in so many areas, just in general, when you see like something is being measured and it's trying to be compressed into a number. Sometimes this works really well. In other cases, it just is more complex than that. And we see this, you know, all around us measuring complex things with a, you know, very blunt tool, which is in this case, the only available data that they, that they had. So, um, yeah, uh, ultimately the, um, that there was a, an effect found. So when there is a, a team that has psychological momentum, the timeout calling a timeout on that after that run actually doesn't have a measurable statistical significant effect on on the the outcome of the next points in that game and who scores them yeah and that and that uh that matters i don't remember if they regressed it because when you call a timeout you get an ato and after timeout play you know which is statistically a little more likely to score if your coach is good at all um because you can kind of get everybody together and run a complex play that you might not be able to come up with on the fly um but yeah, what was it? What was it? It was like uh, 0.2 out of the next 10 points. Yeah, 0.2 increase in the average ratio for the next 10 points. So this is also an interesting um, decision that they had to make in this paper in, in terms of, okay, how do we define the immediate window after a, a timeout was played or after a timeout wasn't called, actually, after one of those six consecutive points in a row? started this, you know, psychological momentum, the, the measuring of that, uh, what would happen during the next 10 um, uh, points scored by any team put together. And this is how they quali- this is how they measured or they defined the short-term window after a timeout. Yeah, and, and if I understand it correctly, like a 0.2 on the ratio might count twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It might count twice because in basketball, if you have more points, you win. Right. So like if, if Chris and I are playing basketball one on one and 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 we have a, a you know, a one to one ratio of points scored, I score one, he scores one, I score one, he scores one. We're going to like stay tied. Right. Right. Um, if the ratio goes to like one point one. Do you know what I mean? Like like uh, or, or like as a percentage of 10 points, do, do you know what I mean? So if I was scoring five out of the 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 10 right and i start scoring like 5.2 and you start scoring 4.8 you know out of the next 10 i'm like getting ahead and you're like less getting ahead because you're not yeah. not taking as much of a percentage of the scoring so like it's not like crazy but it's the type of thing that those edges will absolutely add up to like one games over the season and you know you accumulate five or 10 or 15 edges like that you know you find a time that the other team's ball ball handler's a little bit sloppy and you set them up for a steal you get a couple of uh, misdirection plays where the guy goes to guard the wrong guy and you get a very open shot, you know, like you don't actually need, you know, cause like basketball is like a pretty high scoring game. Like people win like one Oh seven to one Oh three, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, you get 
half a point here, one point there of advantage. You don't need many of those to go from being like middle of the pack team to to the best team in the league, mm-hmm. you know? So it seems, seems meaningful. It's not like crazy, but seems meaningful. Um, do we want to contrast this for a second? Because they also looked into, I think a lot of people listening be like, duh, like momentum exists in sports. Like these guys, let's, let's touch on this briefly. I don't think it was the main crux of the paper, but they also checked out the hot hand theory for momentum that like, if somebody has been on fire and hitting all their shots, will they hit the next shots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was, um, you can almost call like team momentum. I, you know, I, I, I thought of it as like macro momentum. Oh, I, like, I like that. I like that team momentum. I like that. Yeah, here here we're studying like team momentum. How is like the whole team as a as a whole doing, and what are their their you know joint uh, chances of scoring? And then the hot hand is looking at an individual that has is is on a run. I mean, these days in the NBA, you have definitely have people like you know Stephen Curry who just, I mean, it definitely strengthens this belief in something like a hot hand because if some of these guys start scoring they will just consistently keep scoring for quite a while um, and and it's really hard to see them not scoring they have such a high percentage these days um but uh, yeah they looked at this phenomenon people think hey this guy this this this, this player is now hot he's he's got uh, he's on a streak um and the belief is now that he will his chance of, of scoring the next point successfully will actually go up. And um, yeah, this is a wildly held belief by, by basketball fans. So if people hit like four shots in a row, get them the ball, yeah. they're going to hit another exactly. shot. But this is an effect that hasn't been able to be you know shown in the data and seems to be basically an artifact of, we have a human bias, I guess, in, in, in seeing patterns where there are none. And uh, putting you know this this belief on 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 the stuff that we see, where it seems to be mostly just a you know like basically every shot that is being taken should be considered as just a random you know almost like flipping a coin with the percentage of that player's general ability to score points. Yeah, and uh, unless there's like specific conditions, right? So if you have like a garbage defender on you that you're just like doing whatever you want to, then that, that's like a reason to keep going back to them. But even in that case, you know, you're 80% to score on that person that can't defend you. Well, you're just getting a lot of 80% yeah. trials in a row. Yeah. And like, that's great. Keep going back to that. Right. But you know, if Steph can shoot 50% from three against a particular defender, you know, he hits four in a row. There's another thing called the gambler's fallacy where people think right. he's due to miss because he had so many. That's also false. Right? No, it's like if he's shooting 50% from that spot against that defender, 50% is really, really good from three, right? Like if that if that's what it is, if that's what we're saying the advantage is, then it's 50% when he shoots it. And yeah, they've looked into this in a bunch of different sports, and this just seems to be the case, which kind of like makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It like kind of makes sense that, um, you know, if if, a, if an NBA player is a, you know, a, a 40% shooter, you know what I mean? Then he's about 40% to go in. You know what they did find, though, as far as I could tell? For most, almost all players, there's a couple rare exceptions. Clutch, quote-unquote clutch, isn't real, where they're like clutch and they're really good in a jam. For a few players, it is, actually, that I think they found. But but hmm. choking is real. So, so you don't get like superpowers where you can suddenly shoot 90% 
like lights out. Like nobody can do that against somewhat competent defense. You just can't, right? The other players in the NBA are also professional level players are going to defend you as well as they can. And then there's like physics and it's like hard to biomechanically repeat that, you know, the shooting motion over and over and over again on a court when you're running up and down, you're sweating and there's uh, other people that are seven feet tall guarding you and trying to jump up and block it or block your eyesight or, or steal the ball from you, you know? Um, yeah. So the, the idea that you can like get super hot and just make all your shots and keep making them is like, no, it's right. just like an artifact, you know, a 60% shooter will make five in a row some number of times, you know, and at, at four, oh, he's going to make the next one. Cause he's hot. And then like, he finally misses one. Everyone's like, okay, whatever. Like, all right, that was good. You know what I mean? Right. Choking is real though. You can yeah. blow it. You can get your nerves up and start fumbling the ball around. So I'm thinking about this and it's interesting. Um, if this would affect maybe amateur players more so than professionals, I could, you know, like let's, so, you know, when I think about uh, psychological momentum and let's say the positive effect of like feeling in the zone and the negative effect of like feeling like it's just not going your way. Um, the additional, so, you know, they, they, they did some studies with um with with golf players and um i think the study debate the way it ran is they gave some people very very specific instructions about like you know how to angle their their their, their club and they gave another group very loose instructions like hey like be be loose for example or be relaxed or like swing like you're you know you know you you know how to do this a million times um and those players performed really well like the the more general instructions were were more helpful um i'm thinking that if you know professional players they've done this so many times for them shooting the three is not like necessarily having to it's not a shoot and and, and hope that this ball goes roughly where it's supposed to go i think they got the fine motor mechanics so down that it's really more of a um, question of like executing these super fine skills than a question of you know mentality and uh, general feeling like the same way that not sure if a you know a a, a a mathematician needs to have the right mindset or believe in himself to just go through a you know a calculation to come up with the right result yeah that's really interesting yeah, that's really, really, really interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Well, let's let's start with the paper, and then we can branch off into speculation, right? So in the paper, they found that hot hand, just because you made a bunch of shots as an individual in a row, you're just as likely as you would normally be to make your next shot from that spot against that defender. Yeah. Right? That's, right. that's just it. If you're a 60% shooter shooting 90 for a while, you're still a 60% shooter. You don't suddenly drop down to 30 to compensate, you know what I mean? Like, or whatever, right? You know, um, but you're not going to keep shooting at 90. You're just 60%. Unless, again, you have some, like, matchup that you're, you know, there's reasons why you shoot way above your averages, but then that's, you know. But for teams, when a team is on a run, you know, they're scoring a lot, and the other team's getting beaten up on. The team that's getting beaten up on, it's, Failing to defend, failing to score, failing to defend, failing to score. And a few times in a row, you take a timeout and the delta between them and the other team decreases. And this paper is saying that's probably a momentum effect and it's probably a psychological effect. 
there's some other explanations. It could be it could be a strategy or tactical thing. It could be a substitution. You know, it could be that your your players are winded and you get some water. But mm-hmm. like, no, there's just like momentum timeouts where you keep the same guys in the game and you keep the same defensive scheme, and it's like, yo, yo everybody settle down, execute, right? And that's just yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And coaches have talked about that. And they found that yeah, it's the timeout thing is real for a team performance. The team is like not working well as a group, not executing on offense and defense. A timeout either cools the other team off or gets them get their act together. I think it probably helps them get their act together more than cooling the other team off is is my guess, right? Um, right. That's interesting. It's cool to see there's some statistics about it. It's not like gigantic. You know, if the other team was killing you, they're probably better than you. And they indeed in the sample where the team was getting killed, they kept losing after that, but they lost by a lot less once they called a timeout uh, on average, right? I'm sure some of the teams came back and won, of course. Um, yeah, let's speculate. Let's recklessly speculate as people that are not sports psychologists or professional statisticians or general managers or professional sports players. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um I'm I'm thinking I'm like trying to put myself in that situation and and looking at it more like you know psychological and uh, I used to play uh, you know soccer and and especially in in, in indoor soccer. And so then, soccer? Do you mean do you mean football? What's soccer? That's like an American. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And um, I used to think in the same terms. Hey, we're on a run here right now, and and then when you. Um, get in the opposite play you think hey we're just being run over right now and so i can i can see those you know the the psychological effects coming into play now i'm trying to think like what could be the effects of that is it just a time you know this is just like being able to disconnect from the action for like a minute that that helps you to get your your footing again or is it the specifics like now that your coach can actually give you very specific instructions and um the plan gets built for the next play and now you can actually stop this forward drive yeah i'm sure there's some of that by the way so absolutely or like a substitution do you know what i mean like one of your people like had a nagging injury like seemed Mm. healthy so came back it's kind of just like doesn't look really up to snuff on the courts. You swap them out and you get a healthy player in there. I'm sure there's some of that. I'm sure there's some strategy. Let's change the defensive set. Let's double this other guy. You know, I'm sure there's some of that for sure. For sure. There's both of those. Right. But you know, one thing that occurs to me that it might be right. Um, I was reading a weird comic book about gambling. It was like a psychology comic book about gambling the other day like long story it's not even worth getting into but it was like and and this person's like i'm on a lucky run i gotta keep going for it now's my time the the author was really wonderful it was really very much like a though it was like kind of cool and sexy and cars are getting flipped over and whatever it was like also like very much like a cautionary tale of like you don't want to be like a degenerate a a gambling addict do you know what i mean author's a wonderful psychologist i wonder if the author had a gambling problem or knew somebody that did Do, do you know what i mean it was it was interesting right it was very interesting and you know, there's this belief, like, I'm lucky, so I got to keep making money right now. But then also sometimes when, when somebody in the gambling comic was losing, they would, let's make a big wager to win it back. And like, well, right. you know, your odds at the freaking casino or whatever, they always are. 
right? And so in the non-skill games like roulette, you're guaranteed to lose if you play long enough statistically, right? You're just guaranteed to lose. You, you there's, I, there's, I think there's a formal proof at some point that if you play a negative expected value game for long enough, you lose. I, I think there's a formal yeah. proof. No, no, it was like it was kind of hard because the the Martingale double your bet thing. The, the Martingale double your bet thing was like, but like, what if you could just do it forever? And like, I don't know, somebody eventually like, I think they wrote a proof that like, you cannot win a negative expected value game. I think somebody finally wrote a proof, but it took like longer than you'd think. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, you know, if you're playing a no control, no skill game in the casino, those are all, you're, you're going to lose those, right? But if you're playing a skill game, but you've been getting killed, you know, like poker, but you've been getting killed. You're probably like not any good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The other people are probably better than you. You probably don't have your, your head right about it. You know what I mean? And so you make more stupid, daring bets to try to win it back. Let's try to get back into the game. Let's just throw a big three up here. Let's try to go for a big, big flashy play. You know, instead of just like boring execution, set screens, set picks, dribble well, control right. the ball look yeah. for who's like not guarding their man tightly and, and, and make the good pass. You know what I mean? Forcing shots. Sometimes the commentators call it, um, you know, in, in gambling, they, they talk about an individual gambler who's just playing crazy all of a sudden, who's otherwise intelligent as being on tilt. Right. And I've mm. never heard on tilt in regards to sports, but maybe there's an aspect of instead of just playing a disciplined game, maybe you're shooting a little too early. You're trying to be a little bit like quote unquote heroic, not actually heroic, but like stupid instead of like working your plan, you're trying to like, I'll just get it it on our own. You know what I mean? Less teamwork. I would guess there would be some of those where, you know, humans are very funny. You build a plan and like your plan has a little bit of adversity. And sometimes people think about dumping their plan when there's like a little bit of adversity. So could be that I'm just speculating here. The authors didn't really get into this. Maybe there's something like that of like you're off your plan. You got a little adversity, so you deviate from your plan. But if your plan was the best thing you had to beat them, and it's not like a strategic change up, you know, you're changing it up, but you're just not doing the plan anymore. uh, Then, yeah, of course, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, let's force a bad three-point shot to try to get back in it. Well, I mean, you're probably going to miss. And then the other team's probably going to score again. And then it's like starts getting away from you. Hmm. Yeah, no, that, uh, I think figuring out the the reasons why the effect now is present, like what happens, is is I think that's further research necessary. This this paper just showed that there was an effect and quantified it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what might be causing the the, the this the stopping at least of, of forward momentum or this increase, like it could be on both sides. It could be like you cool off or the other team warms up, you know, like both are. Yeah. I could definitely see something that I would just like presume happens is, or something we know happens. And then something I presume happens that I haven't heard about one way or another is, you know, during a, um, during during in professional sports like like a lot of times fans don't like it like players should go out all out every single play and it's like no actually they shouldn't on like some plays they're the key person for that play or one of the key people and they need to absolutely do a really great job on what they're doing and on other plays they just like need to be alert and pay attention but they can kind of chill out and get some rest and that's like by design right because like playing pro sports is tough 
even if you're the most conditioned person in the world, so is the other side, right? And like, you know, being able to, in the flow of a game, recover a little bit of energy, catch your breath, you know, not burn through all your stores of glucose and whatever, um, has some value to it, right? I would also presume that, you know, if, if, if one team's blocking a shot, then running down the other side of the court and dunking it, they're having so much fun that they're probably expending, like, they're probably expending more energy, but don't care. Do you know what I mean? They're not, like, saving up for the next game. It's a long season. I'm getting wear and tear. I mean, they're just, like, running down, throwing alley-oops, dunking it. Like, it's like, this is fun. Like, man, we're killing them, right? Um, and so it's it's very well the case that, you know, if you're up 12 or something, you block a shot, somebody runs down, alley-oop, dunk, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of embarrassing them and, and, and bullying them a little bit. And you're making some flashy plays, keep doing that. And then the team calls timeout. You look at the scoreboard. You're like, yeah, we're up 12. Like whatever. Let's just walk the ball up the court. <laughs> like, like whatever. Like we're going to win this game anyways. Let's just like, let's take our foot off the gas a little bit so that we got something for tomorrow mm-hmm. night if we're playing a back to back. So that, that could be it too, is that the other team gets out of the, in the moment, killer instinct yeah. you know uh the dog chasing prey mode and is you know it kind of gets a little more business like about it and doesn't try as hard as they possibly can potentially yeah uh you said something interesting in there which is that psychological momentum just is also a lot of fun generally huh yeah um, yeah huh now you mentioned it yeah it's i did say that. it's kind of I, I didn't think about that until i just said it you know what i mean yeah yeah winning's fun man and uh, I actually looked up, let's say it, it exists and um, it's beneficial to have. How can you get more of it? Like what other you know, specific ways that a team can uh, use to make it easier to maybe get psychological momentum? Because interestingly, I mean, ultimately it's all subjective. <laughs> if you think you have the psychological momentum, like you kind of actually do at least on your end you can't really influence the other team they, they might i mean i think you know it actually happens in some sports um both both teams or maybe both players thinking they have the psychological momentum like i sometimes hear this with uh with um martial arts and and, and fighters where like both fighters think they were winning that round and ultimately it's like about like what's going on in your in your own head for your own at least like, you know, confidence and, and all of the things that we just uh, prescribe to psychological momentum are like more like your interpretation of the situation to some degree versus like the actual representation of the situation. Or here's an interesting thing. I'm flipping through my my kind of mental mental models and database in my head of, of American sports. The highest level of play might be to become as immune to momentum as possible and to just like be a methodical, unstoppable Mm. machine. Do you know what I mean? Um, You know, probably one of the most famous sporting contests in recent American history was when the New England Patriots, who are again from Boston, I'm from Boston. The whole nation saw it though. It's the Super Bowl. It's a big deal. Um, They were down 28 to three in the Super Bowl, which is the biggest game of the year, relatively late in the game. And, you know, when I talk about um, rest of the world football, um, old world football, um, civilized, you know, world football, whatever you want to call it, soccer, right? I don't know. It's kind of like, what's that like being down like four or five goals with like 15, 20 minutes left? It's like crazy town. 
It's it's like you got to score four or five times the other, without the other side scoring once. It's a little easier to score. It's easier to score in American football than it is to score in soccer. But like not that much easier. Do you know what I mean? Not like not that much easier that that making four or five scores mm. in mm. 15, 20 minutes is 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 like like no, you're gonna like lose every single time. Like it's over already. Do you know what I mean? Um so they were down twenty-eight to three late in the game. And I remember I was actually I remember watching the game. Um Kai and I Kai and I were hanging out, right? And asked me, you watch the Super Bowl? He's like, nope. Right. <laughs> he's like not a sports guy, right? He's also from Boston, but he's not a sports guy. And then like uh later on, like like maybe maybe around halftime, a little after halftime, he comes and uh he's like, Hey, how's the game, Sebastian? I'm like, Well, I'm gonna keep watching because I might see the greatest comeback of all time. And he's like, That bad, huh? I'm like, Yeah, I'll stick with it a little longer. I, I literally said that, by the way. I'm on record as saying I am gonna keep watching because I might see the greatest comeback of all time. Um and, and yeah, sure enough, uh, they won, I think wow. if I remember correctly, thirty-four to twenty-eight. There's an amazing scene that almost all the documentaries about the game have, right? The other team's getting really excited, the Atlanta Falcons. They were getting really excited. They they had an interception from Tom Brady, who's now regarded as the best quarterback, the best player in American football history. They intercepted him and took it back from a touchdown. That was a big swing that, that took points away from the Patriots the other side. They had like a big tu- another big touchdown. They had like a bunch of stuff going their way. And they're like, oh, we're killing him, we're killing him. Like the, the Falcons were like, we're killing him, we're killing him. And they're getting all excited. And then one of the, the defensive players on the other team says, yeah. They do have Tom Brady, though, <laughs> right? They got Tom Brady, though, Like, kind of worried because Tom Brady had a lot of a history of a lot of comebacks. So his team like didn't give up and they kept working really hard to make plays. And like sometimes that's like, you know, as a, as a wide receiver that catches the ball or running back, running the ball. Sometimes that means you get hit really freaking hard to get, you know, one, two, three more yards. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like, uh, you know, it's like you can get like four yards and like not hit or like six yards and hammered by somebody that weighs 270 pounds. It's freaking strong and fast. Do you know what I mean? Um, that, that's like, it's like, it's like similar. I think, I think yards and meters are somewhat similar, similar in size. So it's like, you know, imagine playing a sports sports game and like, you can get like four meters for free or six meters, but you got to get hit by a 280 pound person at full speed. Mm. You know, mm. usually when you're losing, you give up, you don't, you don't take that hit that like literally, literally could crack a collarbone literally could give you a concussion, neurological disorder, literally could snap your knee and, and, and hurts like hell, you know? Right. But they like, didn't give up. They were like, just keep executing the game plan. The coach also didn't panic. He made a few more risky plays that he needed to make, you know, plays where you could try to get the ball from the other side when they're supposed to get an onside kick. Right. But they just kept executing their game plan you know, with adjustments for like, we're way behind and running out of time, but they kept executing their like, we're down and running out of time game plan. Didn't do anything crazy, kept executing. Um, And the other side, as they kept executing, like fell apart. They, they really did choke. Um, Probably the, the, if you would would attribute it to anything, there was one play that was really famous. The other side basically had to like screw up. If they would just like run the ball, 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 punt it, punt it's when you give it to the other side voluntarily, but you kick it really far away. If they just did that every single time, like they probably win the game. Do you know what I mean? On one play, a pass play, the Atlanta quarterback drops back. The running back was just like not paying attention and didn't block guy at all. So this guy came and the quarterback didn't see him and just like hammered the quarterback and the ball popped out of the Atlanta quarterback's hand. So the Patriots got the ball back and then went and scored, you know? So mm. like 
yeah, the Falcons uh, definitely had a component of like choking and not executing on the game plan once things started to get shaky. Like it's weird they got up so much that the little you know, like the, the, the patients weren't going to come back, but like they come back and score a touchdown. They're like, Oh, we're only up like 18. Now it's kind of yeah. possible they could come back. And that would be like humiliating if they did, like if it was a close game. They would have weirdly like maybe been in it more. Do you know what I mean? Right. So they started maybe overthinking who knows, but mm-hmm. then the Patriots, they had like the opposite of momentum. This is like the worst imaginable scene, like in sports, you're getting killed in the biggest game of the year. And you're like running out of time. And it's like it's like a massacre, right? But they just kept being professional. So it wasn't like they were trying to seize momentum. It's like they were immune to momentum. They just executed like a machine. And, you know, in basketball, like the San Antonio Spurs um, were famous for being like that. And they won a bunch of championships. And it's kind of like they didn't need to get hyped. They would just like game plan, run the game plan. Yeah. It's super interesting. The two sides to the the two um, halves to the the whole thing of psychological momentum it's the what happens in your mind if anything and what happens in your opponent's mind and it could be enough that you are just mm. like neutral but your opponent is thinking they're like getting overrun and psyching themselves out and that could be enough of a you know of a benefit um what i maybe one thing here is also yeah like i i dug deeper into the research on psychological momentum. I think it's just like, like I wasn't necessarily thinking of about this as a concept, but now I do. I, after reading this paper, I, I really do think of this in the context, not only of uh, team sports, but also team performance. You're a, you're a company, you're, you know, you're a group of people working on something. How can you um, encourage uh, this feeling of psychological momentum and what, uh, Con- contributes to it and what i just found is um you know you can uh, your subjective experience of something of the exact same um events happening in the right or in the same order can be very different so for example like this is i don't know this is exactly um related let's say you're you're late to a flight and you're really rushing to make it to the to the gate and all the time you're like I'm going to miss this flight. I'm going to miss this flight. It's, I'm super late. I'm super late. And, um, you know, you're, 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 you're doing the activity of getting there fast, but all this time you have like this, you have like a bit of a negative feeling about how you interpret the situation. And then ultimately you make it and everything would have been fine. You could have also had a great time during those 30 minutes. I'm booking it through the airport. I'm either going to freaking Jason Bourne my way there and parkour over some crap to get to the flight, or I'm going to miss the flight and I'll get the next one. You're not going to get there any faster or slower, no matter which approach you take. If anything, channeling your Jason Bourne is probably more helpful, right? You're Maybe do some extra moves, vault something, save two seconds at the risk of breaking your ankle. Um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, there was a samurai book, uh, Hagakure, uh, 1700s ish, I think by Yamamoto Sunitomo. Um, he said, Hey, when it starts raining, when it starts raining, some people run from tree to tree and kind of hunch over, like you're getting about the same amount of wet, but you're losing all your dignity. Just freaking walk. (laughs) Like, (laughs) right. (laughs) <laughs> like like you know like if you're getting soaked you're getting soaked you know what i mean he, he wasn't talking about booking it like five meters to get to the house you know what i mean like if you're if you're going like a country road you could like hunch over 
like people like hunch in the rain. It's like it's not working. Like, look, the rain doesn't care that you're hunched. You're, yeah. you're getting about the same yeah. volume of, of, of you're not you're not you're not you're not decreasing the your your surface area enough to look like a fool and, and potentially like be tense the whole walk. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I think, um, you know, Belichick from the Patriots, by the way, there was an amazing film session. Um, that he did that I again saw in a documentary about how they do it. I, I love studying how the Patriots do things. They're just so like amazing at everything. Um, there was a thing where he actually brought up a bunch of good plays the team had where, um, and, and they're primarily focused on the defense. Um, they showed a bunch of good plays where somebody made a really good tackle that they weren't necessarily going to make. Not like a crazy game winning play, but you know, in American football, like a running play wants to get, three yards at least and maybe four or five or more right um and like somebody would like tackle the person running the ball after they'd only gotten one yard which is like a great outcome for the Mm -hmm. defense right Mm -hmm. so they just like solo in space one defender versus an offensive person they're both strong they're about the same size and the defender makes a great tackle the defender pushes them back the way they came as opposed to getting pushed forwards to three or four yards right like just like a very good play very athletic very fundamentally sound and then nobody celebrated. Nobody went to the teammate who's on the ground has to get up and like nobody helps him up. Nobody gives him a pat on the back. Nobody says good play. Nobody reinforces it. Right. And he said, like, that's that's not that's not how you play as a champion. Right. You know, I guess mm. he felt like the team wasn't, you know, performing as much lately. And that's why he especially called that out. And so he showed a bunch of plays where somebody made a very fundamentally sound good play. And like no teammate came to help their teammate off the ground. And nobody like smack him on the back, smack him on the shoulder pad and say, like, good play. Good job. Right. And like, it was a super funny clip. Then he showed, now let me show you one time when we did do it. And he showed this clip of uh, like a good, it was an offensive play at this time where they like good blocking, great execution, great pass touchdown. And then everybody like, they weren't like being jerks about it, but they like celebrated with each other. They were like, great play. Like the offensive line. Hey, great blocking. You block for me. You caught it. Hey, no, you threw it. You know, everybody's like celebrating. And then they, 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 the camera cuts, the, the, the professional uh, American football camera cuts to one of the defenders, like the captain of the defense on the other team. And he has this like sullen expression. He's like, oh, <laughs> right. And he's like, and that's what we do to the other team when we celebrate. So it's, mm-hmm. it's both ways. You're getting yeah. like reinforcement. I'm big on this. I like yell at people to bring up when they do good work to each other. I think people like, yeah. I don't know, people like modest. I like hate it. I hate it. Like, if you do good work, be like, you know, I think I did a nice job with this. Like, somebody should say it, and the other person should yeah. be like, let me take a look. This is a nice job. Great job. Glad to be on the same team as you. I, I think it's, I don't know, it like, it it does, I'm pretty sure it does something. I don't know, I don't have timeout numbers, but I'm pretty sure it does something. I mean, I actually looked, you know, the the celebration and focus on your successes was one of the things specifically mentioned in the research on how to increase psychological momentum mm. and yeah this was i found it super interesting because i don't know i mean there like there could be an argument and like i don't know there could be some research on the other side that you know you shouldn't you should focus on always improving but the research here was fairly clear it is absolutely beneficial i would say from what i've read to be celebrating your own successes more if you want to increase momentum and from you know, momentum, uh, if anything is beneficial well, and, for your fun. And I don't think, I don't think those are incompatible, right? I don't think those are incompatible. Yeah. I think, you know, in the flow of a game, calling out all the good plays. And if somebody just makes a little error that wasn't like 
absent-minded or a, a big tactical error that needs to be corrected immediately. You let that go and you take care of that in film study later, right? And maybe run some mm-hmm. drills and practice to simulate the situation and then do it correctly. But yeah, in the game, you know, you're just like, got him. Hey, great screen. Give me a clear lane. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. right. You know, and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I have one other one that I think just kind of fits in this, this show. If I don't bring this up now, I don't know when we get to bring it up. And I, I think it affects psychological momentum. Do you know, do you know who Tim Duncan is? I'm pretty sure I've heard the name before, but I, yeah, he's like, he's like the most boring great player of all time. Like, I think he's like, like many ranks lower in the great player rankings than he should be. Cause he's just so boring. He like, doesn't, uh, dunk. He doesn't like do a flashy between the legs dunk. I mean, he actually can dunk, but he wasn't, he, he wouldn't make a big show of it very often. Not like a high flying bouncy guy. You, you know what I mean? Um, and then to the media, he was like a professional. He was like, not like, Oh, we're going to jack him. Like he wouldn't make big stories or something. He's just like very fundamentally sound guy that wins a lot. It's a great teammate. Great. Apparently great to be coached. Great to help coach and mentor younger players. Like just a stellar guy. Um, but it was known as being very boring. I, I say this in a loving way. I really admire the guy. Won a bunch of championships for the San Antonio Spurs, which is like a hyper hyper professional organization that was has been very very good over the last twenty years. That that whole organization. Um, a lot of players in the NBA apparently talk like some serious trash talk, like serious, like they say some very offensive things uh, to each other to the point where sometimes the TV broadcast needs to make sure it doesn't catch the players talking about saying about each other. Cause like, you know, they're going to get like fined by the FCC if this stuff's on television or whatever. Right. Like, like, right. Um, and, uh, Kevin Garnett, the guy I told you about that, that, uh, that I, I got to see play live, which was a joy. He said, uh, you know, Hey, he said, Tim Duncan had very subtle trash talk. Everybody says Tim Duncan doesn't trash talk. That's not true. He had very subtle trash talk. I tried trash talk. I'm all like, Man, kick your teeth down. Let's go to the ball and you're going to dunk the ball and you can't stop me. You can't stop me. He, he just was totally unfazed. He gave me nothing back, so I couldn't get going. But then the way he talked trash was you'd miss a shot and he'd be like, almost. Nice try. Well, you'll get it next time. <laughs> hey, almost. Hey, almost got it. Good try. <laughs> Stick with it. <laughs> hey, almost. That? Not a bad shot. Not a bad shot. Didn't go in. Not a bad shot. <laughs> like... <laughs> you can definitely see how that would be very uh, extra frustrating. Yeah, so that's the I don't know that could that could get people because uh, y- you know sometimes if someone's like depending on a person's psychology, they're like I'm gonna kill you. It's like no, I'm gonna kill you. You know, right? And like you, you kind of you both get amped up. So some players like would yeah. try to get amped up, and that's a it's a common thing in the NBA for for some players to to get amped up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take you out. You can't stop me, and then some more, more, more vulgar renditions of, of similar, right? Um, and uh, and you know, Kevin Garnett was absolutely huge trash talker, blah, 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 you know, right? And and then Tim Duncan, like, just just like was just totally unfazed when he's saying things about Tim Duncan's whatever his family members and all kinds of stuff. He's like saying all kinds of offensive stuff, and then like Garnett like misses a shot, bounces upside the room, almost. Hey, good try. Hey, like not yeah, not cool. a bad shot. <laughs> like subtle. <laughs> what, what what did what did Garnett say? Like subtle shit. No gangster shit. <laughs> Real subtle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's kind of fun. So, takeaways. Hey, we got a we got a stats paper. We can put it in the the show notes. Um, on a team level, on a team level, momentum is real. And on a team level, if you're getting beaten up a little bit, a timeout can stop that. In terms of building up that momentum, it's strongly speculated that that some celebration encouragement of each other um can help 
Beyond that, we've kind of speculated. This is an area that it's interesting. There's going to be a ton of statistical research mm-hmm. uh, coming out. And I, I think ML is going to do machine learning. Artificial intelligence is going to do some amazing things with like really getting deep into this data. Yeah. And then like also like being able to like once it can like uh, economically process the video to see where everyone like was exactly on the court. Right. You know what I mean? And then like, yeah. you know, where people getting out of position or whatever when they're down or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, um, psychological momentum is real. Um, a well-timed timeout can help you recollect your forces and, and rally a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, getting psychological momentum on your side. Or alternatively, we're speculating here, but like maybe becoming more resilient and immune to psychological momentum, just being professionals who execute all the time. Um, but like probably one of those equilibrium, yeah. certainly not being in the negative psychological momentum state. Seems worthwhile. Fun paper. Um Chris enjoyed it. I like our new microphones too, audience. You know, when we got new mics, you have to hear about it. You don't care. Nobody cares. We hope it sounds nice. We hope it's, we do it for you. Um, as always, Chris, it's a pleasure for everybody. Uh, info, if you want to check out the paper, not bad for a senior thesis. It's actually really good. Um, uh, show notes. Um, and hey, if you like this stuff, if you like sports, statistics, psychology, leadership, momentum stuff, and you, you got you got some papers on this or you got some thoughts, podcast at ultraworking.com. We want to hear from you. We love this stuff. Maybe we'll talk about it on air a little bit. Let us know. Don't be shy. Podcast at ultraworking.com. Um, Chris, as always, thank you. And it's a joy. Uh, dear listener, thank you for listening. Be well.